Welcome to Journal Talk, a weekly podcast about journal writing for passion, clarity, and purpose. Passion. Reignite that passion for the things and people you care about most. Clarity. Discover who you are and what you really want. Purpose. Get to the heart of life's issues to remember your divine purpose. And now, here's your host of Journal Talk, Nathan Oren. Thanks for tuning in this week for another episode. Wow, episode 69 for Passion, Clarity, and Purpose. I love it. You know, in introducing my podcast episode this week, and also in in introducing my guest, I want to start with a story. In my first few years after college, I remember I was very frustrated because I wasn't in the job that I really enjoyed. I graduated with excellent grades uh, from college, but I was really worried that I had taken the wrong degree and I would never, ever really have a job that I really loved. And I was scared that the world would always be homophobic and that I would never be able to enjoy a loving, long-lasting relationship. And I was still angry with my parents for mistakes that they made in raising me. So there was all this stuff going on. And, And then I attended a weekend seminar in Los Angeles called the Landmark Forum, and it was amazing. And what I learned about myself back then is a lesson that I still carry with me today, and that is that 99% of what's going on in my world, whether it's pressures at work or stress in my family or fears about my love life or regrets about my college degree or even just the simple enjoyment of a peaceful weekend, I mean, 99% of all those experiences were just stuff going on in my head And only about 1%, maybe even less than that, is stuff that's actually happening to me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I do my laundry and I put gas in my car. And if an earthquake happens, you know, my dishes fall out of their cabinets and I bend over, pick them up and put them back away. But but the experience of doing those things, the boredom, the fear, the worry, or even the joy and the peace... Those come from the stories that I tell myself about what happened. And my frustration with my job, for example, was coming from stories that I kept telling myself over and over and over that I'm in the wrong job and that I'll never find a right job instead of telling myself useful and helpful and peaceful stories. The fear that I had about never finding a life partner, never being able to connect with another man in the way I wanted to, those came from stories that I repeated to myself over and over instead of reinforcing stories that could grow me or comfort me. And, you know, the transformation that I experienced doing that weekend workshop was like having this huge weight lifted off me. I felt lighter and it was so freeing to know that my life is 99% what I make of it. And, uh, you know, all the things that weigh me down are really just illusions. So I tell that story because my guest this week on Journal Talk is someone who offers guidance and coaching for people who want to identify what weighs them down emotionally. Laura Coe is her name, C-O-E. Laura is an author, a blogger, and a certified life coach 
with a mission to help people shed emotional weight, the emotional weight that's keeping them from finding fulfillment. Now, Laura doesn't have this uh, dramatic story, you know, like a conquest over impossible circumstances. In fact, in her circles, there probably weren't very many people who even knew that she was struggling. By age 35, Laura seemed to have everything that she was supposed to want. She was in a leadership position at a prominent healthcare company. She had a beautiful home, a nice car, a loving spouse, a child, a strong circle of friends, and much more. And from looking on the outside in, Laura appeared to be the model of success. But Laura says that she wasn't experiencing success. She felt a huge weight of unhappiness and disappointment in her life, and there was this big gap between perception and her personal reality. And even with all the abundance surrounding her, Laura says that she felt empty and she felt confused, and that's when she coined this term, emotional obesity. So just like eating a steady diet of unhealthy food causes physical weight and it could possibly spiral out of control, so too a lifetime of unhealthy negative emotions or negative thoughts can cause emotional weight to accumulate to a toxic level. And Laura recognized that she was suffering from a buildup of pressures to conform to a very narrow definition of success. And so she set off on a quest to find lasting enlightenment. And Laura became versed in both Eastern and Western philosophy. You'll hear her quote uh, various uh, folks. She's incorporated into her lifestyle the wisdom from Buddha and Rumi and even modern teachers such as Stephen Covey about emotional health and emotional well-being. And the product of her personal journey is an effective emotional health and fitness plan. We're going to talk about her book titled Emotional Obesity, A Philosophical Guide to Lighten Your Life. And it offers practical, uh, modern tips for people who want to drop their emotional baggage. Laura now spends her time as a certified life coach sharing these life lessons, and you're going to hear uh, some of her emotional fitness routines today on Journal Talk. If you're curious about uh, getting some kind of measure of your emotional weight, you can find out how heavy you are emotionally by stepping on her emotional scale. I enjoyed this conversation with Laura Co, and I hope you do too. And I have with me on the line from Chicago, Laura Coe. Laura, how are you today? Fantastic. How are you, Nathan? I'm doing great. Doing great. Welcome to Journal Talk and the Penzu podcast. It's uh, delightful to have you here. I first uh, read an article of yours on Mind Body Green that just turned me on to this idea of emotional obesity. Such an unusual combination of words, but it makes so much sense when I read some of your stuff. Uh, uh, maybe you can start off by telling people a little bit uh, what you mean by emotional obesity. What is that? And discuss a little bit about your battle with it. For sure. Yeah, emotional obesity, I think the holidays are approaching and we're all <laughs> thinking about, you know, what we're going to eat over the holidays and the most gym memberships happen January 1st. But 
What about the emotional weight? What are we doing to think about the ways in which our life weighs us down, right? So we think about what we put in our mouth and exercise. Even if we don't do that much, we're all very aware of it. But it dawned on me that we really don't pay much attention to the sense of heaviness that many of us feel in our lives. Mm. And I was that person. I was living a life that felt very heavy, very weighed down. And my solution was push through, um, mm-hmm. man up, <laughs> try harder. Mm-hmm. It's you, right? Like stop being a baby about it. And I got to a sort of a break point with it all. And that's when this idea really hit me. What is it that uh, one does to work out their emotions, right? Not just push through them. And uh, I decided to write a book about it and my own struggle to get emotionally fit. Yeah, very good. So you've been blogging, you're a certified life coach who's taken on this mission to help people shed emotional weight. Tell us about uh, some keys of emotional fitness or what does it mean to be emotionally fit? How do you drop this weight? It's a little bit more difficult than pushing the cookies away from you after (laughs) the full Thanksgiving meal because there's no actual tangible cookie. It's the thoughts in your head, Mm. right, that you need to push away. So the very first step is to become aware that that's the problem. What's making you feel heavy, dread, anxiety, fear, what have you, it's the thoughts that you're saying to yourself, right? So becoming aware of that is critical. Mm -hmm, The second mm -hmm. is to accept that these thoughts, these narratives – they can be rewritten. And especially for writers, I feel like this is such a great idea that we're storytellers. Mm-hmm. So tell a good story. It's not like you're lying to yourself or just doing positive thinking. But the truth is, is that you could go out with a group of friends and everybody's having a unique experience about the evening. And it just is all about the story you're telling, the things you're focused on, the way in which you bend your perception in the world. So if you're feeling terrible, notice the thoughts. They don't have to be true. There are different ways to interpret the world. And then the third thing is, Get to know yourself, right? I researched everybody from Plato to Marcus Aurelius to the Yoga Sutras to fix my own emotional weight. And I realized you can't jump on a scale. You can't go to Bed Bath & Beyond and just, you know, grab a scale, find out how much you weigh. So I created an emotional scale based on what the people of the ages have said about how to get in shape because you can't fix what Mm -hmm. you don't know. And then you just have to work it out, right? Like nothing happens, sadly, without us taking action and um, actually working to think about these emotions, the things that I just mentioned, writing a new narrative, taking responsibility, and you know, just keep that going over a lifetime, just like we would keep hitting the gym. Mm-hmm. And these things that, you know, you're using so many of these analogies to the food. There's a lot of people have been battling with food for years and years and years and have tried all these things and, you know, pills and exercise programs and st- Stomach bacteria. Have you heard about the leaky gut syndrome? And I mean, there's just so many ways sleep deprivation and acid reflux. I sense that, you know, when people hear about emotional obesity, it's almost taking away the food analogy for a moment. What does it look like being emotionally obese? What does that feel like? What is that? Give an example of a person struggling with this. Yeah. And to your first point, I want to be clear that it's a metaphor. And yeah, yeah. And as much as people struggle with all sorts of addictions from food to drugs to alcohol, it's hard to get an emotional shape too, right? So the, the metaphor is really just to say it's, you know, people do struggle to get in shape physically, but at least the culture gives you a 
ton of systems. There's a gym on every corner. There's endless podcasts and apps to get in shape. But what is there for emotional health? Yeah. And so what does it look like? It looks like the thoughts in your head. (laughs) It's the stuff that we say to ourselves. And each of us craft these really unique sentences about our life situation. I work with clients all the time for myself. I was a writer. I was trying to write and I kept saying to myself, I can't write a book. I don't have a PhD. I wasn't aware of this thought. I didn't pay attention to the thought. Mm. I barely even noticed it was happening, but I, I definitely thought it was true until I stopped and said, what am I saying? This thought makes me feel terrible. It makes me want to quit writing. Every time I think it, I feel like I'm an imposter and write this one little thought that I drafted, I created, mm. I repeated over and over and over. I call them junk food thoughts, right? Because mm-hmm. they, <laughs> they're the stuff that we consume in our heads that weigh us down, just like a big bag of cookies weighs us down. So, sure. and then I needed to replace it with a nutritional thought. And again, I know there's all this talk about positive uh, thinking, like, you know, be grateful, but that didn't work for me. What worked for me was to say, okay, so I keep saying to myself, I need to have a PhD to write a book. But do I believe that's true? The answer is I read all sorts of books from people who don't have PhDs, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So why am I saying this to myself? So I replaced it. And I said, you know what? I love books from PhDs, from non-PhDs. It's about whether or not you have something helpful and valuable. And this now became an effort for me to just be helpful and not worry Mm -hmm. about my credentials. So that's the what it looks like. And the process is really when you start feeling bad, stressed, anxious, fearful, capture it. If your audience is are journal writers, it's the best audience ever. Get your journal out, write down those thoughts, put them out as plainly as you can. You know, when you're feeling at your worst, what are you saying to yourself? Mm-hmm. And then ask yourself, do you think it's true? Yeah. Wonderful. You know, what's coming up for me just during this conversation. And it's funny you speak about the holidays, you know, starting from Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. This has typically been a sad time of year for me. And I've just uh, very recently in the past two years just realized, you know, what's happening here. And it's almost like that thought that you're saying that the thought that's underneath everything that you don't really recognize. I come from a combined family. I've got uh, two sisters uh, that are natural sisters and two sisters and, and a brother that are step family. We all get together. We love each other. We're very close. I'm very, very proud to be part of this family, but they're all married and they all have kids. And Uncle Nathan is the only <laughs> one who's single and has no kids. And every time I come to the party mm. to celebrate and have fun, there are these thoughts that like, who am I? You know, I'm sort mm. of the odd, ugly duck. And I never realized that's what was dragging me down. That's why I wasn't enjoying myself. That's why every year that comes, I want to pull away from the family. That's right. I just recently got very present to like, wow, these are my stories. And when I told them, Laura, (laughs) when I told them, they're like, what are you talking about? We love having you there. You're so much fun with the kids. They love you. You know, why would you think that anybody's judging you for not having a partner or a kid? Yes. Yeah, I love. I love it. I love it. I mean, this is exactly what I'm saying is we focus on the end outcome, right? Mm -hmm. Like we focus on, that's why I call it emotional obesity, because we focus on this really big sense of dread or heaviness or fear or anxiety, right? We know we feel that way. 
But we don't think about how we got there. Like, what was the foods I ate? Have I exercised? Whatever. And so what you basically did was say, what is it that's getting me to this place? And I'm carrying around this secondary thought, but nobody takes the time. And what I love about it is you can shed 50 pounds of emotional weight by shifting that one thought, right? Yes, when you yeah. said to yourself, oh my God, I just feel like the odd man out without the kids and everybody must be also thinking that and there's some judgment or, you know, something that you're experiencing because you've made the assumption they all believe that, right? Right, And right. these are these ideas that Marcus Aurelius through, you know, the Toltec ancient culture, they've all been talking about forever. It's not new. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We judge, we make assumptions, right? We worry about the approvals of others. And until we recognize that the only person that that is hurting is ourselves, and often we're not accurate. And so your story is beautiful, right? Like your family's going, what do you mean? We love having you. You're fun, you know, and it's just something that we've written and we've made peace with and it makes us feel terrible. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, why not just drop all the stuff that makes you feel bad, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good. Let's take a uh, just a quick break. And when we come back, you've given us some of the keys uh, for recovering from emotional obesity. And maybe you would share with us the uh, uh, number one emotional workout that we use or something. Laura, would that be good? Absolutely. All right. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with Laura Coe. You're listening to Journal Talk. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you'll love receiving our weekly show summaries. These are short articles, complete with links to additional resources and book recommendations for each episode of Journal Talk. Head over to our website at writeforlife.us and subscribe to Journal Talk. You'll receive a free index of past episodes, plus a weekly summary and reminder when a new episode is published. Thanks again for listening. And now, Back to more Journal Talk. This is Nathan Oren with Journal Talk and the Penzu podcast. I'm really excited to be here with Laura Coe on the phone. Uh, Laura is a blogger, an author, a certified life coach whose mission is to help people shed emotional weight that is keeping them from fulfilling their dreams and taking action on their goals. Laura, welcome back. Thank you. I love being here. Yeah, glad to have you. And uh, you shared a, a few of the steps. If you could uh, mention those one more time, the steps to recovering from emotional obesity, and then maybe lead us in some kind of uh, an exercise or a, a, an emotional workout that, that people can take home with them and try out in their own time. Absolutely. So the steps first become aware, because you can't overcome something that you don't accept is happening. The second is to accept that the thoughts in your head need to be questioned, even though they sound like you and they feel real and we believe them to be true. Mm. There's another way Mm -hmm. to look at your life. The third is to get to know what specifically is weighing you down. Everybody has different types of challenges. I created an emotional scale. It's free online to help people out on that because that can be a little tricky. Fourth is work it out. Get to the emotional gym, start to do your emotional push-ups and setups. And see if you can replace those thoughts with some more nutritional thoughts. And then the last one is keep going, right? Because we can't Mm -hmm. expect to be in shape and never work out again, right? We (laughs) we don't get happy. (laughs) Maintain, maintain. yeah, Maintain, exactly. Very good. Give us an example of an emotional workout. What can we go back to our journals with and try out? Yeah. So uh, first of all, I'm coming out with a new book and it's going to have 30 emotional workouts in it. um, Because... 
There's so many of them and I'm not even sure I've hit all of them, but I think one of the big ones for people is fear, uh, particularly writers, fear of not being good enough, fear of being found out, fear mm. of starting things, fear of yes. uh, stepping out. Like it, you know, it comes in a million different. And I sense you're talking about this is what probably shows up for people as writer's block. <laughs> writer's block. I mean, it's yeah. the worst for writers, right? We have so much fear that the minute we start writing, we think, who am I to write? And I have nothing important to say. Everything I've said has been said, right? And there's just a million ways that fear shows up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... An example of an emotional workout is to actually stop and notice fear when it shows up. Fear is a tricky one because some things you can actually just try to get rid of in your life. We can cut out going to McDonald's. We can cut out assumptions, right? We don't need to do those. Mm -hmm. But some things like drinking, you know, enough fluids we have to do. So it's about picking the right things. And fear is one of those things like fear saves our lives, right? Like when you're chatting with a friend and you just sort of sense a bus coming and fear showed up to make you to wake up and step backwards. Fear is a beautiful thing when mm-hmm. in the right place, right? Mm-hmm. The problem with fear is it shows up at times we don't need him. So <laughs> my emotional workout for fear is when fear shows up, you're sitting down to write and all of a sudden your mind is filled with all these fearful thoughts. Ask yourself a question. Are you in danger? And I know it sounds pretty straightforward, but the truth is, you know, is a bus coming? Is a bear coming? Are you in danger? Are you walking Mm, down a a street? mm. If not, literally say to yourself in your head, I am safe. You know, nothing here is happening. I can handle this. And then it's proven that if you internally smile just a little bit, just lift up the like outsides of your mouth it changes your chemistry Mm. uh, because even if you're not happy and you fake a smile, you actually will feel better. But if that doesn't work for you, you know, do a forward fold or stretch or stand up or I don't know, do something to kind of change your, your Mm -hmm. mindset. Break the pattern. Yeah. Yeah. And then thank fear for showing up. I know this sounds weird, but the way I got through writing a book and starting a blog post and all the different things I've done has just been to make peace with fear as like my overprotective bodyguard that just hangs around all the time and he's a little bit jumpy. And so I just say, thanks for coming, but I don't need you right now. You, I've got mm. this. You can take a little bit of a 15-minute break. <laughs> Go get a coffee. <laughs> um, and then I return to the moment. I um, really focus on what's in front of me. I have my computer. I'm happy. I'm safe. Everything is fine. Then I try to write. And it's really important afterwards to celebrate. Give yourself a little moment. You don't have to jump up and down and crack open some champagne, (laughs) but (laughs) to actually say like, that's awesome. I wrote for, even if it's 10 minutes, right? And you've never really written very much. That's a huge accomplishment, right? Mm -hmm. We always say to ourselves, I should have done 30 and I only did 10. But why not just celebrate what you actually did? So it it allows you to do more. So that's an example of an emotional workout for writers and fear. And you can just do this over and over and over as you sit down to write. Yeah, I love those steps that you mentioned. And most of them, maybe all of them, they remind me of, you know, the simple techniques that we learn in meditation or yoga, you know, being aware, being aware and just applying that awareness instead of, again, once again, (laughs) instead of applying it in a physical way, really applying it in an emotional way, you know, just taking awareness of, you know, who would have thought making friends with fear in in a moment, or even just calling it out, you know, and and sitting with it, you know, would create some space and, and allow you to shed some emotional weight. That's amazing. 
Thank you. And I mean, for full disclosure, I, I'm a big yoga fan. So <laughs> I do. I try not to push it because I think people enjoy different things and it's important to do what you love. But I do think learning the basic techniques of meditation, mm-hmm. even if you don't meditate, it's just so good for everybody. Yes, uh, yes. If you can learn to sit for five minutes without freaking out and having to stand up with your eyes closed, I think that's a big accomplishment. In mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I started meditating and I bro- broke out into a sweat just sitting on the floor with my eyes closed. I'm like, oh, this is wrong that I feel this uncomfortable <laughs> with myself. <laughs> so I think, you know, it's a good practice to build, especially for writers, again, to sit with your own thoughts. It's a hard thing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for what you're doing and the support that you're offering to people in this way. Laura, how can people reach you? How can they step on the emotional scale that you created? Uh, what's the best way to get in contact with you? You can reach me at www.emotionalobesity.com or lauracoe.com. And on the homepage, you'll see a big button, hop on the emotional scale. Uh, you can sign up for my newsletter. And on Amazon, you can find my uh, my book. All right. Very good. And we'll be looking out for your second one. Do you have a title already, a working title? It's just called Emotional Workouts. And to be totally honest, I'm trying to decide if it's going to be an online course or a, an, an ebook. Um, mm-hmm. We're still, I think it, it would be pretty cool to make it a, a course so people can. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, go through the exercises and also, you know, I could do videos guiding them through. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, we'll keep a lookout for that. And as we're practicing, can you tell us what can we expect? How does life improve when you improve your emotional fitness? What are some of the things that uh, we should start noticing in our emotional lives? You know, a client of mine was younger, actually a college student, and he left his fraternity uh, got an apartment and he wrote me this beautiful letter and it was the perfect way to say it. His life was still, he was working hard. He's trying at a lot of things, but there was an ease. Everything feels easier, even when you're working 10 times harder. And when you're out socially, you're more relaxed. You feel more yourself and people are more attracted to you. And the reality is, is that you don't really care because that desperate feeling of wanting to be seen and heard disappears. Mm, so you're more liked, mm. but you're more relaxed at the same time. So there's just this incredible ease and lightness that happens. I'm still working really hard in my life, but I just don't feel that stress on a regular basis. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. when difficulties come, I'm much more prepared to handle them. My mind doesn't get away from me. Things don't just, you know, <laughs> run me over anymore. So yeah, those yeah. are kind of the goals. And um, and it, it really does work for a lot of people. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed this and uh, can't wait to put some of these uh, into use. Is there anything else, Laura, that you would have the Journal Talk uh, and Penzu communities consider uh, before we sign off? Yeah, just give it a try. Just take one thing that has been on your mind that you have repeated and repeated and repeated, you know, maybe repeated it for your whole life, maybe for the last 10 years, that Mm. just always is a point of stress and see if you can look at it any different way. It is true that your mother is critical. It is true that like you're in a difficult situation with a new career opportunity. I'm not saying that the things you're experiencing aren't true, but is there a different way to look at it? One that includes, you know, more gratitude and a feeling of empowerment rather than feeling disempowered. Mm -hmm. And I think that really is something worthwhile to try. Yeah, very good. Very good. Reframing. I really appreciate that. Laura, thanks so much for your time. We'll check in with you again in the future and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. 
This episode of Journal Talk is copyright and brought to you by Write for Life, a web resource for living with passion, clarity, and purpose through journal writing. Find us online at www.writeforlife.us, spelled W-R-I-T-E, the number four, L-I-F-E dot U-S. Thanks again for listening to Journal Talk. Da-da-da.